Akbar Cook is a vice principal at Westside High in Newark, New Jersey. We share a family member. What I mean is that after he grew up in Newark, Akbar went to play basketball in Florida, where he met my cousin, and the two of them got very close. Fast forward about 20 years, and I'm walking the halls of Westside High with Akbar. He's one in nearly a million K-12 administrators in the country. I looked it up. But at Westside, he's a giant. Kids call him coach or cook and straighten up when they see him. Not out of fear, maybe a tiny bit, but it's respect. The kind that if you've ever worked with teens, you know only comes when things are reciprocal, mutual. It's clear that his heart is as intimidating in a way as his physical presence. He's a big dude. Everyone should walk the halls with Akbar. If you don't ask yourself, do I have the courage to love this much, to work this hard for the people around me, then you're not human. Matt Greenfield is a venture capitalist. If you ask anyone who invests in technology for education, they know his name and his company, Rethink Education. Proper disclosure, Matt is a board member at Mouse and he's a writer. He's one of the people, only people I know, who's worked as a publishing poet who now manages investments. His intellect is enormous and among the things he shares with Akbar is heart. When a national ed tech publication, EdSurge, asked Matt to write an editorial about the exciting prospects for ed tech in 2018 from an investor's perspective, Matt took the opportunity to write about other technologies. He wrote, quoting, I find myself without strong enthusiasm for the task of writing a conventional set of predictions about educational technology in 2018. The most urgent needs of the most vulnerable children in this nation involve other technologies. This nation is failing its most fundamental duty to children. This is part one of a conversation about what I'll call the most current digital divide. We cover a lot in these two episodes, but all of the topics revolve around one single truth, that the prospects for how tech innovation in the US illuminates a path to meaning and success and wealth is not the same for everyone. We're joined by Taiwan Jones, a senior at Westside High and one of the wise beyond their years and courageous teens who gives me hope for the future. We get into the failures of our current system and the successes of a local leader who, along with an amazing team at Westside, is battling for every strategic position on the chessboard. In episode two, we get into the national walkout and gun violence and whether kids in Newark, New Jersey can safely walk out even if they chose to. A quick disclaimer, there are some disturbing images that come up in our conversation in these two episodes, so if there are sensitive ears nearby, you might save this one for headphones. I hope you take as much from this episode as I did. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. Meet our guests. My name is Akbar Cook. I'm currently one of the vice principals at Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. I am also basketball coach of state champion back-to-back state champions at uh, at uh, Westside High School um, also uh, big in the community I've been doing a lot of things in the community just to help out my neighborhood my name is uh, Matt Greenfield and I come from um, a family with a lot of teachers in it and for those of you who know this who this is uh, uh, my mom actually dated Albert Shanker briefly <laughs> mom I hope you're not listening to this um, uh, my father's a business person. I followed in his footsteps, um, uh, you know, benefiting from uh, a uh, really generous helping of uh, luck, privilege, and uh, nepotism. And after a career as um, an English professor, 
um, I got a PhD uh, in English and, and uh, taught for 10 years, uh, I ended up as uh, someone who invests in businesses focused on education. It was a really great and interesting job. Um, although I am not a techno-utopian, so I don't think of technology as magically able to solve all of the biggest problems, or indeed, um, as necessarily wholly good in, um, in education, if not used yeah. in the right way. Um, I'm Tawan Jones, currently a senior at Northwest. Uh, I play basketball, football, and I run track. Uh... I'm from North Humbler, very humble in beginners, very humble person. I want to learn a lot. In part, you know, I, I, this we're gonna um, hit some topics that um, I think are um, for many are hot button issues, but for more should be hot button issues, but aren't. Um, and I wanted to use the what platform I have with the show and uh, Mouse's platform and, and anywhere I can really um, to be raising issues that are relevant to how we see 21st century education, um, but sometimes are, are adjacent or um, not related, but very much influence uh, what our future looks like and, and most importantly, what the future of young people looks like. Um, so I have a really special group here today. Um, we come from, uh, you know, very different perspectives, very different expertise, but all of us have a stake in uh, where education is and what our future looks like. Um, Matt, you wrote uh, an, an editorial for uh, EdSurge um, about a month ago called Sources of Hope for Education Technology in 2018. Um, and that really was the sort of catalyst for bringing this conversation together and, and why you become a likely sort of uh, actor in this conversation. Because um, if nothing else, we all share uh, a set of values and interests, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um you write in your piece, um, you say, I find myself without strong enthusiasm for the task of writing a conventional set of predictions about educational technology in 2018. The most urgent needs of the most vulnerable, vulnerable children in this nation involve other technologies. The nation, you say later, is failing its most fundamental duty to children. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Well, um, the most fundamental duty we have to children is to keep them safe, to keep them fed, to keep them healthy. We're failing on all of those fronts, obviously. How can you learn if you're not healthy, if you don't have a home? Um, And then, uh, you know, beyond that, um, uh, we are not giving children hope um, that they can uh, get a fair shake in life. And if you don't do that, then how do you expect people to get, you know, serious about education if you um, let them know the truth that the system is, you know, rigged right now? Yeah. So, um, you know, education technology um, can help in lots of little ways. But, uh, you know, let's start at the basic layer. We're, we're sitting here in New York City, not in Newark. Um, the budget here for um, schools is about $20,000 per student per year. 
um, a Chromebook costs about 250 bucks, and yet somehow the budget is constructed in such a way that not every student has a device. Like, what kind of future are you preparing kids for if they don't even have a computer or a mobile device? Like, what kind of job would you possibly do without a computer or a computing device of some kind in the 21st century? Uh, so where's the rest of that $20,000 going? I mean, obviously a lot of it is going into salaries, but the priorities and the allocations are not rational or fair. Um, there are also plenty of schools where kids don't have you know, toilet paper or where teachers don't have chalk. Um, and 20,000 is a lot of money. I understand that in Newark, it's actually an even higher number. It's $28,000 a year overall. Obviously, a lot of it is getting squandered in all sorts of ways that have nothing to do with the kids. Yeah. Same with Camden. Camden's also around 28,000. Yeah. So I, I want to come back to that as somebody, um, Akbar, who not only has an eye to a school budget at Westside High, um, you've also had a pretty, in, in my, from my perspective, a pretty incredible experience. Um, you're, you were raised in Newark, you went to Newark schools, um, and then you came to Westside High at a time when Westside was sort of coming back from uh, being split into multiple schools and, and various ideas by the district of kind of what to do. And um, I think what's really important for this conversation is um, just to hear a little bit about what the turnaround looked like and, and what some of your experiences early on at Westside were, because I think the context is really important to sort of set a stage for the rest of this conversation when we're talking about who we're letting down, um, that we're being clear about about uh, what's happening where. Okay. So I was at a, a I want to say a, a, a nice performance school. I was at Newark Vocational uh, five years ago, and my principal, uh, Larry Ramkasoon, he was at Newark Early College. Newark Early College had the uh, format of giving kids um, college courses while they are in uh, high school. And a big part of that, I'm going on a tangent, a big part of that is because when our kids graduate from high school, they automatically give remedial classes when they go to the colleges. Right. And if you're talking about financial aid, they waste all their financial aid on that. And then when it's time to take the classes, they don't have any more money left and they end up getting sent home. So early college model is was providing them with those zero one hundred classes. I don't know those, you know, the, the entry courses mm -hmm. in high school. So when they got there, they already took the occupation test. They don't have to do it. So our kids would be a step ahead of the rest. Mm -hmm. Piggybacking on what we talked about earlier. So he came from that uh, uh, aspect we had. So that we had uh, early college, and I was no vocational. We had the the CTE component. We had the culinary arts. We had the construction, computer repair. So you had these two schools that were working, and at the time West Side was not working. Westside was failing. It was low enrollment. It was violence. It was, you name it. It was going on at school. Principal attacked. It was bad. So they had an idea where they would sort of close Westside High School. So if you look at location code in Trenton, there's no more Westside High School location-wise. They took Newark Vocational and they took Early College and put them in the building with some of the Westside kids that was left. So walking into that, it was it was kind of scary because you took three, basically three schools and put them in one with one principal principal. So 
automatically we lost some of the best kids. He lost some of his best kids. They end up going to some of the other high schools in Newark and end up, one is at Harvard. So he had some great kids there that end up leaving because nobody wanted to deal with the Bermuda Triangle, which we call Westside High School. So he lost his kids. I lost some kids. So we get in there and I was speaking to you earlier about it. My first encounter with death for a student was a student I've seen prior to me coming to Westside, but they found this student a young lady, special needs student, in a can decomposing in this over the summer. That's how we opened up Westside High School. So that was my first dealing with death, losing a baby, that we should not be doing this ever. It should be uh, burying children. So that's how we opened the school up. So then you come in, then it was gangs. It was, I mean, gangs, it was bad. It's to the point where we had to look for other resources. We had to look for, look, I got to go speak to some of the gang leaders to come in and help make this a safe zone before we can even get to education. There was no teaching going on. We, it wasn't safe. I know Matt talked about being safe. This school was not safe. So all the great ideas he had from early college and all the one we had from North Vocational, it was none of that was going to happen in this place until we leveled the playing field. And that was getting the kids to trust us, one, with love. So a lot of things we start doing, start dealing with love. It was like, listen. I'm going to be the one that if you that you mess up, I'm going to be the one that's going to get you. But in that same breath, I'm going to be there to protect you. So I got a great, uh, uh, I'm going to say standing with the police, the Nook Police Department, where they come Johnny on the spot for me right now if I need them. But also, it lets the kids know that if one of my kids got in trouble, they're calling me. So so that's what, it built up a lot of love. And the kids start seeing that we was vested and we was going to stay. So with all of that going on, I could say the first year wasn't a lot of, learning going on. I mean, you had the kids that's going to excel no matter where you put them at, but it was still trying to remove a lot of the new barriers. And I know, Matt, I read the article, a lot of stuff Matt talked about, the new barriers that the kids are facing. You know, with social media, you're talking about kids are coming in uh, being bullied because they don't have the clean clothes on or, you know, they're not eating. So a lot of these things, and we'll talk about it later. I'm sure you got a question from me, Matt, about it. We'll talk about some of the things that we've been doing at Westside. So it was tackling those things in order to get to the learning because without, like Matt said, nobody wants to hear what happened in you know, in the U.S., if I didn't eat this morning mm-hmm. or I'm dirty and I'm being talked about because I smell. Yeah. So those are new barriers. Like we had parents. He talked about his parents. We had parents, whether they were single mother like mine. Some of these parents are not there. These kids are raising themselves. And, in, and until you address that, how much you expect them to learn? Mm-hmm. So I know I'm all over the place, but that's what we had to tackle at Westside, not just Westside, a lot of the schools, like he said, in Camden and, and Irvington and East Orange, all of the neighboring cities. So we took a different outlook on it. Like we're going to we're going to start doing our part in that in, the, in that category and remove those barriers so the kids can feel like it's a safe place to come and the adults want to come and then you'll start bringing in the talent then it, they'll start coming so that was a lot of the work that we did but in that same breath I lost three kids in the first four years I was excuse me I lost four kids in the first three years I was there that was new I'm, and I'm talking the gun violence this tragic deaths and and for me, and again, I'm going someplace else, I couldn't go another summer watching RLS media trying to figure out if something in the West Ward, one of my kids either did it or it happened to them. Mm. So I met with my alumni association and and, and some other uh, uh, people at the board, and we decided we was going to do something about it. So it's no more Boys and Girls Club. It's one Boys and Girls Club. It's in the Century Ward. So my part of town, which is the West Ward, there's nothing for kids to do. So when 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 you we, we push them out the building, 
they left to, I just told you there wasn't no parents at home, so what are these kids doing? They're getting into trouble. So what we did was in the summer, we opened up Westside from 6 to 11 p.m. Um, and it was like a boys and girls club type feel, because that's the background I have. So we opened it up. I didn't know what it was going to happen. I thought I was going to have, you know, middle school kids come. The first day I had 25-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and it was some gang people there. And I was like, wow, what? But I didn't want to push them out because they need they needed a place to, uh, to, to do some things as well. So we end up, uh, the, we had 40 the first night, then a couple of nights it got to maybe maybe 60 or 70. But it was just a lot of basketball. It was a lot of uh, cards and uh, we had video games. We was projecting on the wall. So just a safe place for them to come during those peak hours where crimes was most prevalent in my city. And it took an article. Uh, Barry Carter wrote an article and the word got out mm. that we was doing it. And I started having 170 and and it was awesome. And I want to say the last night. The last night we had was like September the 9th. The last night, I mean, we mind you, we was doing this three days a week. So the last night we had a big celebration, had ice cream truck out there, all these wonderful things. And I had a young lady who came and she just had some ice cream and she just left. And later on that night, she was killed by a straight bullet right down the street. And it drove home the point to me again. I didn't have enough things for the ladies. It was just a lot of stuff for the boys. It was nothing for the girls. What are the girls are doing? So I opened up the school year again with another female dying. That was September the 9th. So we opened up in morning and went back to the Alumni Association again. And we decided we was open up lights on is what I call it um, every Friday night during the school year. And from six to 11, and now it was a lot of uh, stuff for the ladies. I got the Zumba, I got the yoga, I got the henna, I got the makeup, I got the fashion and design. So now you come, Taiwan can tell you, I got more ladies than I have guys. I'm averaging about 270 kids every Friday night. And for the last two years, the the, the crime in my area has been quiet because they got a place to go. And we have the computers there now for them to, you know, to get on, uh, whether it's the Xbox. And I know Matt talked about the Chromebooks. Now we opened up rooms for them to, you know, go in and do your work and stuff like that. So it's it's, it's a lot of great things going on, but it took, I wanted to tell you what it took for us to even get to the point where we can talk about education. It wasn't about the normal stuff that the other schools are going through. You had to attack it a different way. And I say it's love, but it's attacking those new barriers that are happening right now yeah yeah you had to do something heroic and above and beyond to create that safe space and um and that shouldn't be you know if you design a school system around the needs of the actual kids one thing you say is well what are the working hours of the parents whether you know the parents are working nine to five or eight to six um so school should be eight to six um are they working um, during the summer? Yes, they are. So you need a place for the kids to go one way or another, right? And the school system is not designed around the needs of the kids yeah. right now yeah. in a fundamental way. There's a sort of higher level, which um, is more of a luxury once you have taken care of like making sure the kids have a place to live and food and you know basic safety and a place to go, which is asking, so who is this kid like what what does this kid care about this particular kid what does she want to be maybe when she grows up or maybe she doesn't know that but she loves she knows she loves um music some kind of music and you start with that and then you say how do we design an educational program that centers on her passion and acknowledges who she is so then when she's studying american history um it's an American history course that has been customized for her around the theme of music. Right? So when she writes 
um, about a particular episode in, in American history. Um, she's also writing about the music of that period, which is you know linked to the social struggles of the moment in every era. Um, or when she does um, fractions for the first time, instead of being an arbitrary torture inflicted by adults so that you know you can get to high school, yeah. um, it's more like, okay, you want to be a um, uh, an adult who does something with music. How about sound engineer? Does that sound interesting? Let's show you a little bit about what being a sound engineer is like. And then maybe we uh, give you some fractions problems that are related to the job of the sound engineer. We make it clear that you need to master this particular skill in order to reach your goal. Uh, but that's sort of a higher level thing. And then there's this uh, fundamental question which is addressed by mouse.org, the organization that you, Mark, work for mm -hmm. and where I am on board, which is what are the skills that employers actually want people to have when they graduate? And those skills do not have a lot to do with taking multiple choice tests and, and scoring well on those. What, what an employer really wants most in the world is someone who can do what a mouse student does. Um, sit down with someone, a child with cerebral palsy, an older adult, a kid in a wheelchair, talk to them, use empathy, figure out what that person's life is really like, and then start brainstorming about ways to make that person's life better using technology, coming up with a creative solution to that. But that is not what kids are learning in school for the most part. Right, and there, are, I, I can list fifty other things that employers want that don't get taught in school at all. Yeah, yeah. And then there are things that you need just to get through life, like um, having a checking account. Like, what what does that involve? Like, what does it mean to be overdrawn? Like, when you want to open up a checking account, you walk into the bank. Where do you go? What do you do? What do you need to do it? All of those pragmatic things. Um, Can I add to that? So, Matt, please, it sounds yeah. like so. So, right now, the only students that get the individual education plans, which are IEPs, are special needs students. But what you're saying, all students need an individual education plan. Because if I'm like music, I want to go that route. Why can't? And we have so many people that come with all these curriculums. I'm sure it's a, it's a gang of curriculum already that we can just, you choose this tier, you choose that tier, and we still end up with the core requirements to graduate, but I made it more realistic and fun for me so I can make it more meaningful, especially with this microwave society that we have now. The kids want it right then and there. So mm -hmm. if it's not, you can't keep their attention, they on to the next thing and like you said they just dealing with you know I'm just losing my attention and now more kids are getting ADHD let's make it fit for them so I, I, I like that I, I didn't think about it like that Matt but that is true individual education plans for all students I completely agree and then there's the question of the level on which you personalize so um, you've got a kid with special needs and, and you, you construct a plan that says okay this student has autism uh, you know he needs to learn to quiet his hands and focus and pay attention. And then here are these other skills. Um, I actually uh, ended up uh, writing the business plan for a company um, called Rethink Autism. I met an autism specialist, and she was focused on the, the problem of there not being enough specialists in uh, applied behavioral analysis, you know, behavioral therapy for autistic kids or kids with other special needs. And she, she felt that you didn't need an advanced degree in psychology to do it, so she constructed a 1,200-module professional development curriculum to teach people to do it. 
and she was trying to sell it in the form of a box full of paper. Mm. And I said, I think this should be a software product. And <laughs> she said, how would that work? And I wrote a business plan with her. I was still an English professor at the time. And I thought for about 30 seconds about, you know, maybe trying to start this company myself. And then I realized that I was too disorganized and didn't have the skill set. <laughs> and I went out and found these two experienced entrepreneurs. I mean, it, there were a couple of false starts. We actually tried giving the plan to someone else, but they wouldn't Annoyingly, they would not do anything with it. Right. So then we then we found these entrepreneurs, and uh, uh, they started the company with this plan, um, and they're now having the company is doing extremely well and serving tens of thousands of kids, um, and it's fantastic, right? Because not even the hardest core pro in behavioral therapy has you know a thousand lessons yeah. in her mind, yeah. um, and this this is like a video plus some text about. Um, how you work with a special needs kid on a particular skill, which might be an academic skill or it might be something like uh, how to take a plane trip. Right. Like, what do you right. need to expect to take a plane trip? But there's a deeper level of personalization, which is the one I was talking about before, which is the one where you, you don't just have a generalized curriculum. Um, so, you know, you need to learn this skill. Everyone needs to learn this skill where you say, Okay, what are you passionate about? Who are you? And also, who, you know, what are you afraid of on some deep level? Um, and then we adjust the curriculum around that. Um, and also, the other thing about special needs is when you, when you start looking closely enough, almost everyone, well, let's say one in two, one in three kids, is special needs-ish in some way at some time. Uh, I've got three kids. Uh, they are all super smart, they're super privileged, they go to extremely um, expensive private schools, yeah. um, um, they have tutors when they need them and all sorts of enrichment, they always have love, support, food, a place to sleep, you know, good health care. Um, all three of them needed a lot of extra support at various moments. All three of them had terrible small motor skills. Um, two of them are lefties. The third one was a natural lefty, but we accidentally made him a righty. They all had terrible trouble with handwriting. And the oldest one was, you know, really persecuted by a teacher about this in first grade for a while. Like, you know, to the point where uh, she was sort of trying to push him out of the school. And he got through it, and now he types, and he's doing fine academically. But everyone's got some weaknesses to go with their strengths, right? And you need to personalize. Um, I had a great uh, conversation with a woman at a, uh, a school in Los Angeles that is focused on, uh, particularly on kids in the foster system and uh, homeless kids. And it turns out that a lot of other people want to also go to this school. Um, it was designed around the needs of the homeless in particular. And a very simple idea, right, that you work at your own pace and if you end up out of school for two weeks at a time, which happens a lot to kids with complicated lives. You just come back in and pick up where you left off, as opposed to being told, oh, your absences mean your semester is, you know, finito. Mm -hmm. um, I think that everyone kind of needs that on some level. People have problems in their lives at different moments, and, and that shouldn't, you know, the school should adjust to them instead of the other way around. So I want to, I want to make some room, um, so many, so many good points. Uh, I want to make some room for Taiwan, um, who uh, I'm grateful to have, have you here and, and you spending time with us. Um, 
you're a senior this year, Taiwan. Correct. Um, I'm curious to hear from you uh, as we're talking about. Um, let's just concentrate on the last four years. What have been when you look back and you think about all that you've accomplished when you take that diploma in the spring? Um, what are the challenges that stand out to you uh, based on your experience at Westside? Well, for me, I think for all kids, it's like the will to want to go to school. Because I don't think nobody think as school as a that's like something they want to do. Like, I think like all kids grow up to think like school is like just a job that's just trying to get us ready for or the real world. Just something that we just have to do. That's our chore. Basically, our parents go to work. We got to go to school. So we that's not something we always look forward to do. But like looking back, like I think like like having more stuff to make me want to go to school more, like having stuff to do. Like I, I play sports like all season around. So I had to go to school because I want to go practice. I want to play. Mm. So that make me want to go to school more. But like like other kids, they don't have that outlet. Like some certain kids don't like to be like act physically active, so they don't they don't like being physically active. So that's not their outlet mm -hmm. to go want to play sports. Some kids not academically strong, so their outlet is not to go do something where academics are having to use their mind. To that's not what their like their strengths is in. So mm -hmm. that make them would not want to come to school. So like basically, what I'm saying is like I would I would want like looking back like having more reasons to come, want to come and get up and go to school. Because if, if I just, if I something just happened the night before, I'll probably be depressed and a little sad when I wake up in the morning. I don't want to come to school. like. But I say I'll go because I want to go play football. I got a game this week. I, if I miss practice, that's going to lessen my chance of winning on Friday night. When, you feel me? When the time comes to, yeah. to be happy. Yeah. What, uh, tell me about what are the things that happened the night before that keep you from wanting to be in school? I could have, I could have been outside that night before. Cops could have came. We, we was just outside chilling. Then could took one of my friends, took one of my friends away or something like. Or I could have been outside. It'd be so much, only because where we live at, it'd be so much going on. Like, it'd talk be to so, him. Tell yeah. him. Tell him what's going on. It'd That's what. Like, yeah. Tell him what's going on. Like some of your friends. What you experienced? Yeah, like, you feel me? Like, we could be outside. We just chilling. I don't. My man's one of my friends. Well, I look at life because I don't have no friends. We don't have no friends. We grow up where we grow up at. So somebody could like just walk up. You think it's one of your friends, but he could have just did this shot. Da 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 on what's the name street and just came over here to come chill with us and we just chilling with regular because we don't know what's going on so we ain't gonna ask him what he just did because he seen regular so we just chilling then next thing you know people come through shooting at us then my man said they ain't hit the right person my man said now nah, I, I don't know if he died or passed or I don't know if he passed away in the hospital I gotta go to school I ain't go with him that night to the hospital then I gotta wake up with that on my conscience like dang I don't know my man's dead he probably in the hospital fighting for his life for me I just seen I just seen him get shot like you seen like you seen like somebody like soul about to leave their body like as as mind bothering like it's mind bothering to see that transition like for, so kids kids and these kids we go through this 
countless times, countless times. You don't got to be outside. It's just that you live in an environment, so it the environment sucks you in, basically. Our environment sucks us in, so you don't have to be a part of nothing. It's just so much that just could happen. Like, how you thinking? Like, school is just in the way. Like, I can't get no, some people don't be having no money. Parents don't really got that much money. So they like, I, I could, I could waste eight hours a day going to school while I could have just made $600 on a block. That's how, like, the mindset these kids start thinking. Like, for me, like, they, they just feel like it's a waste of time. Wanting the world to go to school. That's why I'm saying everybody don't have that. Everybody don't have that outlet, like, wanting to go, like, having a reason to go to school. Like, wanting to enjoy, enjoy school. Like, school is not enjoying for a lot of kids. Like, that's why it'd be hard. So hard. What were the things in school that, that you did actually like? Uh, other than the sports? Communication? I'm, I like to communicate. I like girls, so I want to, I want it's something, yeah, like, it's something, in school, it, and I think at school, like, it's something, it's something new to happen every day in school. Like, if I'm staying home, I don't feel like I'm benefiting. Like, I ain't, I ain't gain. I got to get better. Everybody don't have that mindset, though, but I got to get better, so I want to come to schools. I know I'm going to get better at something. I'm Somebody going to tell me something new. I'm going to find out something new, or something new going to just happen to me, like, because, it's like an automatic wave. Like, that's what we call it, like a wave, like something to do. Like, it's automatically something to do when you go to school. Like, it's nothing else. If I'm outside, I ain't doing nothing, benefiting from nothing, really. But if I go to school, like, it's a wave. I'm a, for me, something for me to do, like, get up and do in the morning. Who calls it a wave? No, I'm saying, like, a wave, like, a wave, you know that's, how you want to go slang. out. Yeah, that's the yeah. wave. So you got a party to go to, that's the wave. What's yeah. the wave for tonight? Oh, I'm yeah. going to party at Matt's yeah. house. Oh, Matt's the wave, yeah. yeah not, <laughs> not usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not unless you like putting kids to bed. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, so looking back, do you feel like, it sounds like um, you don't feel that way. You don't feel like it was a waste of your time. No, I do not. Um, but you're somebody who spent more than your four years at Westside. Uh-uh. I spent, I spent, no, in middle school, I stayed back. Okay. Yeah. You did more time in middle school. Yeah, and I was supposed to stay back again. So what were the, it, besides sports, um, you had uh, to do the same, you know, passing your uh, standardized tests, mm-hmm. um, getting through... Uh, you know, reading and math um, was this was all to you because the circumstance was just better than being on the block, or did you feel like um, you see something for yourself as a contributor beyond high school um, that you that you can't get without it? Yeah, I was because I'm more like a planning person. Like I always look, I'm a chess person, so I look way ahead. So I'm like. If, if I'm a dude, if I'm gonna be outside all day, I'm not really benefiting nothing but going to jail or I'm gonna die. So I thought about it like, like as time got over, I'm like, I'm not, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is not something I could do for the rest of my life. It's not gonna work like that. So if I go to school, I know that's my only outlet it's to be like semi, semi successful. Because everybody that go to school and go to college don't be successful. It'll still be hard for them. <laughs> right. But if I could have that, like, 
if I had that in my background, like something to fall back on and say I did and like accomplished, like that made me feel, that made me feel like will make me feel better. Like I accomplished this, this something I did. Yeah. Like I, through my circumstances and through the, all the stuff I went through and seeing I accomplished this. Like you can't take this from me. Yeah. Like this can't. You you brought up chess, which I think is an interesting. Um, metaphor for us because I want to come back to something that Akbar you and I talked about and something that relates to what you wrote Matt I, I read part of it earlier you said uh, the most urgent needs of the most vulnerable children in this nation involve other technologies and it feels to me Akbar like when when uh, I first met you and we were talking about um, how you get a young man like uh, Taiwan from just wanting to get to school, um, to being in a place where, you know, I might go to college, um, and, and the future's bright. Um, it feels to me like, like in a way you're, you play a chess game where it's like, okay, young people come to school and I want you to tell the the story about how the, um, the washers and, and the sort of, you know, the laundry situation at Westside came up because to me, it feels like, You're breaking it apart into these small pieces, and if if somebody's gonna, you know, if there's if there's a barrier in your in your game, you you throw a defensive move and and basically try to clear the way so that um, you can do something offensive, right? So that you can uh, yes. get these young people thinking about studying, thinking about concentrating, so that they don't have to think about um, you know coming to school with the same clothes they wore the day before. Um, we tell tell us that story. So. A big thing, and this is going, so a lot of our kids are, I talked about it, parentified. I didn't even know parentified was a word until I found it in the dictionary, right? So it's parentified. So a lot of the kids, so say, let me give you a scenario. I had a young lady that just moved up from Atlanta, just moved up from Atlanta, and she wasn't coming to school. So I'm I'm, I'm there combing through, and I'll tell you why I started doing it personally, try looking through every kid when they're absent to find out what's going on. Um, I found out that her mother uh, she had to wait till her mother get home. Her mother works in Huntington County. Mind this is Newark. Works in Huntington County, and she got to get a ride from Huntington County all the way to back to the, the uh, to, to the to the uh, the young lady in Newark. Then has to have that same ride drop three of the siblings off while she still waits with the baby. Then she has to walk the baby to the UVSO, and then she comes to school. And sometimes she comes to school without bus tickets, so she has to walk because in in Newark. In other districts, uh, you don't get bus tickets unless you're 2.5 miles away. Mm. And I always talk. I know you want to go. You want to stop there. No, 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 no. I okay. just want to ask. So, first, I want to clarify. So, for people who don't know uh, our great state, Hunterdon uh, County to Newark is maybe a 45 minute ride no, with, with no. no traffic. She was in Blair, like Blair, so she was close to PA. Okay. So it could be so you're no an hour, fifth, hour plus. I, yeah, hour okay. plus. And then U- UVSO. That's a um, UVSO. There's United Velsberg or so something like that where they just it's a, it's a preschool I see. in, in the it. area where they, they, some of the kids can go. Okay, so, carry on. Sorry. So yeah, so so and it's just not Newark. And I always and, and this this is a uh, I guess this is going to be our new governor thing because I'm wondering how NJ Transit how the kids over here would get the Metro card. So my kids if they don't if they don't live two point four two point four. I mean, 2.5 or more, they can't get bus tickets. So no matter what area, so you can, right, like you can live in Newark 
less than a mile away, but you have to navigate through so many gang areas that your 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 transportation to school now becomes maybe two miles because you have to go around or you're going to get jumped, robbed, beat up. So, and then we're not even talking about inclement weather. So. I said that to say, so that young lady was coming at like 12 o'clock and I'm like, what's going on? And she told me that. So now it's my job. To, this is a barrier for her. Get back to a Matt thing. So now I have to change the the, 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 the playing field for her because we got to get the mother assistance so she won't be so parentified and maybe she can get to school and get her education. But these are the new norms that we're going through, the new barriers that we're facing. So every time it presents itself and it's the coaching me, like I got to figure it out. Like I'm not going to keep taking this loss. Like I got to, these are lives I'm dealing with like these kids are every day i had a kid come to the end of school man and this like school's over we know like the last few days of school no one's coming kid came like 1 30 i said what you coming here for now this, the school's over in like an hour mm-hmm. he said cook i came to eat what i'm gonna say to him i took him right upstairs to the cafeteria and got him something to eat so that also drove the home now now i don't have kids eating so there go there go I feed them in the morning now because a lot of the kids, and I'm going to talk about that, a lot of the kids was getting to school late because they walking their siblings to school yeah. further away than they get here. They're missing breakfast. No one wants to talk about any education I did not eat, and I probably didn't eat last night. So we made the breakfast longer, right? So then we obviously feed them lunch. It's free, it's free lunch. My whole school is a, a, a free lunch school, right? So they got the free lunch. To then after school, Nork does an extended day program where they bring meals. You know the little packs that we used yeah. to grow up on, some like a family sans- pack. Yeah, sandwich in there, something like that. So they do that. But then my kids was eating on weekends. So they'd go the whole weekend not eating and rushing to school that Monday to get something to eat. So I met with the New Jersey um community food bank and now we supply family packs there's enough food for a family of four to get to take home that pack home and they can eat and if you got eight people at home you can take two packs mm-hmm. so i got kids signed up for that so funny thing with that was now my kids are too prideful to to come get the packs when i got them i got the free food for them to take home to help their families out but it's just in our culture that oh you got you the kid with the the, the free food so the kids wasn't coming so now i'm calling kids down they're embarrassed so i said how in the world can i remove that barrier so we came up with i watched chopped i'm gonna love the food network <laughs> so these 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 uh the family packs are almost like the bastards you get in chopped where you don't know what's in it it'd be mm-hmm. like a ragu can, can of right, ragu right. it'd be some noodles and it'd and be pets. yes it'd be some yeah. Stuff in there. So, me and my principal and some other community uh, leaders, we got together and we did a, a show, and it's on YouTube. Uh, we call it the West Side Chopped, where that we was trying to show the kids what they can do with these amazing things they can do with the food in the packs, so they won't be so uh, prideful and not take it. So now I got more kids getting the packs. So we, so and that's still going on today. So we had the family pack. So now I'm feeding them there. So then it became okay, cook. <clears throat> What do you do? Now my kids are coming to school dirty and they don't want to come home. Now they stay home. Look, my mother ain't washed in weeks and I can't keep wearing this dirty uniform. I don't, we, it's, it's only so many times I can go into the, yo, can I get some uniforms pile? Because it's going to run a budget. But getting back to Matt, it should be some money in there for kids that don't have, right? So I posed this to... Uh, we had a, a, a advisory meeting with uh, one of my uh, alumni, Mr. Ray Chambers, and uh, PSNG was at the table. And PSNG said, you know what, Cook, I will 
give you, I will fund, give you a grant to get the first laundry mat. And I guess in the schools, so kids can just come wash their clothes. And I'm not talking about you miss school to wash, like come drop off a load. We're not washing it. Like you'll leave it there in the locker. And at the end of the day, you can come wash your clothes. And if you come to lights on at night, you can wash it then. So these are the, this is how I'm thinking out the box. Now I remove that barrier. You ain't got to worry about your clothes or your parent not taking care of you. Because if you parentify and you're not making money, like he said, and you're doing it the right way, not going on the block to get the quick 600, what are we doing for those kids? And then I got a lot of kids coming from from Africa now. So think about them. So now they so it's just so much like you. We have to keep being adaptive leaders to what's coming through our building. And it's not just the same old traditional way of doing public schools. It's just not. Yeah. So that's what that's why I think we're winning now because we just going whatever comes through my door. We're going to figure out a way to help that kid win. And the kids see you fighting for them. So when the kids see you fighting, they're going to fight more. So now I got kids going to these amazing schools all over over the country getting these uh, scholarships to Gettysburg and uh, uh, you know even just going to Rutgers New Brunswick and Newark and Rutgers Newark has been so so good to us so now they've they knowing that we fighting on the front line for them and removing that barrier they can go do these wonderful things that 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 they that were destined to do because we removing that barrier so I'm I'm all for just doing whatever we can to make sure these kids be successful yeah they, that, that's I, awesome but you shouldn't have to do that, right? Yeah. Society has failed, and, and they're asking schools to do heroic things and pick up the slack and fill in the gaps in a way that schools shouldn't have to, right? Schools should be focused on teaching. It's just a, a general social failure, um, you know, in the responsibilities we owe to our kids. Yeah. Um, and it's also, by the way, it, it ain't saving money in the end, right? It, it's more costly to be cruel and not give kids what they need in the long run say that one more time so um if society does the right thing for kids and gives them what they need to grow up healthy and strong and then they they do useful things for society and they make money and they pay taxes if you try to um hold them back or you fail to support them then they don't grow up to contribute in the same way it the there's a return on investment for the dollars you put into kids it's um it's not even a question of saving money or not spending money uh, on the poor and the vulnerable if you don't spend that money society's going to end up spending more money yeah in the end and have you know fewer taxes to do good things with um it's just stupid yeah yeah I, you know, you you talked about return, and I wanted to ask you about that, uh, Akbar. Setting Please. aside the rights, right? Yeah. Kids have the right yeah. to, you know, a place to sleep. Yes. And a place to do laundry. Yeah. Um, you guys have have uh, high-tech things happening at Westside High. Yes. And I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, Matt mentioned the idea of, of return on investment. And so... Um, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, there's been a lot of hype around, um, you know, there's 3D printing, there's all kinds of educational software out there. There's uh, the sort of Chromebooks came and, and uh, uh, hit the scene in a big way. Um, Apple's got their education product. You're somebody who is faced with the tension between um, wanting to give young people uh, the best and the most innovative of what's out there, 
but also somebody who's trying to make sure you have enough family packs for for kids who need to come in and eat. So my question is about return on investment. In the last, it, since you uh, took a leadership role at Westside, um, what have been the investments in technology that really have returned for you guys? Where where have you seen? Um, young people who are benefiting and engaging and uh, educators who are benefiting and engaging in ways they wouldn't otherwise. So we, we've uh, a gentleman who is a, a partner, a friend of Westside, uh, uh, Andy Burnt. He is one of the uh, he's the head of the innovation lab, I think, at Google. And through his, his partnership, we have been able to to just be ahead of the game. Like we, like he spoke about mouse. That's how I learned about mouse through him. And we wanted to bring this, the IT portion to help our kids is another, you know, pathway to be successful. But we're close to being one-to-one with Chromebooks. Like my principal spent, excuse me, a ton of money on Chromebooks, like you said, even though they're 250, it was just hard. It's, it's hard to allocate. I just think, and it's, it's a higher up question. How do it should be already allocated? Principals shouldn't have to worry about. Is it, is, it should be already in the budget? Like he shouldn't have to worry about that. But I can't. I'm, I don't want to get in trouble at mm-hmm. my home. Mm-hmm. But we're close to one to one, right? We've been in Taiwan didn't speak about it, but we we work with a. Uh, software company called Edgenuity where he is a label if he messed up in some class he's able to catch up those credits that allow him to graduate on time so he's one of the one of the students that that that, that use that platform to get catch back up um so Edgenuity Edgenuity it's a it's a, we used to have something called Novanet it's a credit repair mm-hmm, a credit recovery mm-hmm. okay. program I'm going to so link to I, it in I, the I failed US1 I can go on there and do some of the things that I failed to make it so it's more individualized instruction so we we do something else at Westside it's called we call it the Acceleration Academy right now it's for students that are one year behind or over age undercredited mm-hmm. so instead of like Newark and I'm sure other schools have schools for them where they just ship them to they hoard them to to handle that but we're trying to do another uh uh, intervention before so we don't wait for their two years to behind because I failed them it was two years behind then I sent him off to somebody else yeah. he was already disenfranchised with me who cared he's going to care less when he goes to that one so we put something in place we don't need no public school that has it but we, we, we address our kids that are one year behind yeah. we bring them give them more individualized instruction we give them a smaller a smaller group smaller class instruction is more project based learning and then they have the online credit repair so where they can do stuff on their phone at home so it just gives them that whole and they got to do portfolios to satisfy the uh, requirements for still with the state of New Jersey. And we've been good. We've been getting like 100% kids, their portfolios have been passing. So a kid like Taiwan, if he had to catch up, he can do it that way. So we just been trying to change the game. Meanwhile, still deal with kids not coming to school because the report said that we have a it said it was, uh, I want to say 65, 65, 85. I think it's 85% of my kids were severely chronically absent. Mm. So if you miss one day from school a month, you're chronically absent. If you miss two or more, you're severely chronically absent. They said 85% of my school is severely chronically absent, meaning what Taiwan said is what is keeping them there. Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to go different ways to, to, but like Matt said, are we being left to do this all by ourselves with, you know, our archaic, you know, budgets and, you know, way of, way of thinking. I, I don't know. I don't know, but we, I don't have time to worry about that. That's above my pay grade. I say I'm on the front line with them. I'm going to do what I can to make them successful. Yeah. 
if you got 65% of the kids or 85% severely chronically absent, then that's just a kid, right? You got to redesign the experience around the fact that some of those kids are going to, you know, make it so that they're not going to fail just because they're absent when they need to be. Yeah. Um, Taiwan, let me ask you, um, what are what are some of the most important technologies in your life right now? Most important, my phone. <laughs> my phone, what else? My phone, the game, the computer. Well, I, I think it's mainly for everybody, but mainly my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Phone, games, computers. Yeah. I'm a computer person. That's the future. Yeah. So I got to know about it. Do kids get to bring their phones into the classroom? So, so this is this is funny. So, and there's an article written about me with the phone. So, when we first, we toyed with the taking the phones away. It's just such a distraction to, to instruction. Kids are just, you know, they're into this. So, we toyed with it the first year we got there. I did it at North Vocation. It was successful. And other high schools across America are doing it, right? So, what started happening, my kids are very savvy, very resourceful. They are fighters. We rough riders for a reason. That's our mascot. So they started figuring out ways to get the phones in. So I started off the year, maybe I'm getting 200 phones, which is still light. But then the kids, it's wiring on the bras that the young ladies can hide them under. You can hide them in nicks and crannies. I had kids putting them in their sandwiches in the morning. Stop. I will show you a picture. They was going Shawshank Redemption, cutting books out, <laughs> cutting holes in books and putting the phones in. They was getting these phones in. It was Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yes, I'm telling you. So it was, I, I can't believe they put it on a sandwich. Really, it was on a lunch meet they had they, they phone on, right? So then it started becoming a liability to us. Like, kid, come. Think about it. Right now, you give me your phone, Mark. I don't know what it looks like. I put Mark Lesser on it and I put it in a Ziploc bag, give it back. He oh, said, well, yeah, my yeah. phone wasn't cracked when I, you, I gave it to you. Mm -hmm. So now, we found ourselves paying for cracked phones. It works for some schools, but my kids are safe survivors, so they found a way to do it. So after a while, you say, you know what? Y'all can have these phones. You can have them. But then we're going to start doing uh, safe phone zones, right? So we became, so then the next year, we said, okay, cafeteria, I want you to have your phone. Get on social media, do what you got to do. But in the classes, unless a teacher letting you use it for, because at the time we wasn't one-to-one, -one, so they had to use their phones for research. So we let them do it. But then it was like, I didn't know who was having it. So, you know, we said, so this, so the last year we said, you know what? I'm not taking the phones. I'm not taking the phone. We'll see what happened. And I've been to other schools and they got the kids walking in the hell. It was fine. It was cool. But now the phones is, that's six, seven hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. Now the phones are being stolen. So now it's like, okay, y'all want the phones back. If you charging it right now and they take it, I'm not CSI. I'm not looking for it. Right. right? So, so now it brings us to year four. They get the phones. They're watching them. As the kids say, they're on 50. They're making sure their head's on the swivel. They're watching to make sure their phones are good, right? So to combat the tardiness, I said I was going to go a different route. I spoke with some uh, friends of mine and Chris Rock and and uh, Dave Chappelle. When you go to their concerts, they lock they you your phone's got to be locked up now because fear of the the, the uh, stuff hitting the internet and messing up their shows. I know uh, a lot of a lot of the artists are doing it now. Beyonce, they all locking the phones up. So I say, you know what? What if I bring that to school and not not just do it for the kids are bad, but some schools are doing it for if it's testing time. You lock your phone up and they do that. So I so I said. Um, kid comes in after nine because mind you school starts at eight o'clock I still got kids scrolling in nine nine thirty now if you got a, a, a serious issue what's going on 
I, I had to take my sister to school and I can verify. I'm not going to inclement weather. I'm not taking it. It's just for the, the repeat offenders, the Taiwans who just was at home <laughs> right. fixing his hair. Right. And he's going right. to come to school because he don't care about first period class. So I started locking the phones up. Star Ledger got wind and NewJersey.com. They did this big old article. So now I'm getting calls from everywhere. But it was just me again trying to figure out. I know he said the first thing he loved is that phone. So I said, if I can get a kid to start coming to school on time, yeah. and, and and the thing about this phone is no liability because I lock the phone up right in the pouch, and then you take it with you. The phone is not with me. It's with you. You only can access it through a magnet like the malls have to unlock their clothes. Right. You got to come to me to access, I mean, to assess it, access it, excuse me, and... It worked. And then we started curbing that kids coming in to 10 o'clock, the 930s. We still have the occasional. So you can, you can have the phone you if you're phone. in on time. Yeah, I don't even touch the phone. Yeah, yeah, the phone is yours. But if you scrolling in and I seen you at the corner store, because I wait for them at the corner store at about 9 o'clock. I'm at the corner store waiting for you to get your little sandwich. <laughs> come here. You want to smoke a cigarette or something. I'm at the corner. So I saw you do all of that. So now you got to give me that phone in that pouch. Right. So it curbed some of this. But this is the new normal. This yeah. is what we have to adjust. Now, it's going to be some school that I have to deal with. It. I love charters. Don't give me I love charters. But they can kind of figure out who can come in and who not and then if it doesn't work out they can send them to us mm -hmm. right so that's the one thing I don't like that we still get what's left over or the parents that are not doing the footwork right you can have a Harvard kid whose parent is not doing the footwork they may end up at a traditional public school right they didn't get the private school that Matt was talking about right so I still have winners all my kids are winners but I still have those highly successful that are going to yell no matter where we put them but it's the other ones that I'm saying, okay, you know, what can we do? So it's it's just it's just that's an everyday struggle. Yeah. Just trying to figure yeah. out the you know what are the new barriers and how do we tackle it where it makes them still like I care because I'm taking I'm still again I'm still the guy that's hugging them, but I'm gonna take that phone. Yeah. Uh, like like to yeah. Taiwan, I love you, but no, this was the second day. <laughs> Give me the phone. So <laughs> setting limits is a way of showing that you care. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm all over the place. You weren't all over the place. You were talking about your experience and you were telling things that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life and uh, you know stuff that's real I've been reading uh, as I usually do an awful lot of stuff about education and the future of education and innovation and as I read a lot of it I think this is so abstract so boring so flat and you know the the challenge with the laundry or the intricacies of the challenge with the cell phones that's you know something that i i feel like i really urgently need to know and i'm never going to forget yeah wow thank you uh we get we get a lot of uh i get a lot of stuff in my inbox like you know forbes 30 under 30 in, young innovators and uh this is this is by far the most innovative conversation I've had this week, uh, if not this year. Um, and most of what we're talking about comes back to, uh, in part, your article, Matt, about um, sometimes we're not focused on the right technologies, and and um, and that we do need to come back to. Uh, we we need to keep it extremely real about. Uh, where this whole country is versus where um, some of this country is. Um, and as we, uh, the wave is now in my vernacular, um, you know, there are all these waves in, in education, higher education, in K-12 right now, 
computer science education is huge, um, and uh, digital learning is are these are big topics. Uh, fab labs and maker spaces. Um, we have to make sure that those waves are inclusive of every school in this country, every environment, every neighborhood in this country. Join me for part two next week. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share with me, find me on Twitter at M.A. Lesser. No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode one, an Olympic fully clothed hotel pool swimmer. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. This show would not be possible without support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at mouse.org. 